Hello, anti-dreaders, and welcome to season two. Yay, season two. How cool is that? We are actually going into another round of anti-dread. I know. And and I think there's really never been a more appropriate time for uh, anti-dread <laughs> because, you know, we've arrived in 2024. Mm-hmm. You know, 2023 was like the hottest year globally on record. Yeah. It's really hard information to have to try and sit with. Absolutely. I feel that way, especially after COP when, you know, right. there was all these things where people were like still pushing fossil fuels and it's really scary. Yeah. But um, you're not alone if uh, <laughs> if some of that scares you. We're also getting closer on climate goals. So there's plenty of good stuff to talk about. That's and right. There plenty, are some baby steps in the right direction. Yeah, which is why it feels incredibly appropriate to start off this season with someone who's really feeling that dread. Yes, this is exactly what we should be starting with. So her name is Jennifer. She lives in Burbank. She's a set painter. And she's really feeling the weight of all of the climate emergency we're experiencing. How do we deal with the extreme anxiety of knowing that we humans collectively are destroying the planet. Yeah, that's a that's a really big question. Oh yeah, but there there's more. There's so much that's going wrong. I mean, I'm trying to aim myself towards doing whatever I can as one individual um in the grand scheme of this giant planet, but it doesn't feel like it will really make a dent. And I've felt like this for a long time. And I don't even know if a therapist who deals with climate anxiety could really help. It's clear that Jennifer is really struggling. So let's see what happens when we talk with someone who does specialize in climate anxiety and see if we can figure this out. Okay, let's give it a shot. This is the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast, your practical, personal guide to protecting the planet. I'm Kaylee Wells, KCRW's climate reporter. And I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the LA River. It feels like we're hearing about this climate anxiety a lot. Yeah. And I think it's easy for people to dismiss it, people who aren't experiencing it, but people who are experiencing it, this is a very real, anxious, difficult struggle. And it's, you know, we talked a little bit about it in a previous episode about age being maybe a factor. Younger people may be struggling a little more and older people kind of going, what's the big deal? But it's very, very real. And so that's really hitting me in this moment. Yeah. And I almost feel that that um, what you talked about, how some people are dismissive of it, Mm -hmm. it feels like that's even more prevalent with the idea of climate anxiety Mm -hmm. than, you know, if you're feeling anxious about your relationship with your dad. Sure. Older people know what that's like. (laughs) But this idea of climate anxiety is is really new and growing. Mm -hmm. And so it makes some of us even more anxious when you think about the fact that there's a big group of people who don't even necessarily take it seriously. Right. And I'm sure we'll talk about this, but I think that it's still the case that you can frame how you're approaching it. Sure. Or how you're thinking about it. And and taking it seriously as a real form of anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And we should say this is worth doing. Absolutely. Even if this, you know, focusing on your mental health isn't going to be the thing that saves the That's planet, right. you still deserve to make your fight a little more bearable. That's right. Absolutely. So the good news is we've already handled the first step to quelling climate anxiety. First of all, I think recognizing that our feelings are valid is number one. 
So I think we've nailed that so far. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Kellum Lewis is the guy who said that. He's our expert. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's an ecotherapist, Love which that. means he comes at therapy in a way that recognizes that like people are a part of nature, mm-hmm. and so when mm-hmm. one thing is struggling, another thing is also likely struggling. Um, like if nature's having a hard time, we're probably having a hard time. Yeah, yeah. And so fixing the problem is kind of like a systemic effort. I love this idea of ecotherapy. Thank yeah. goodness that this even exists and that there are people doing the good work. Yeah. I admittedly, I, I hadn't heard of it until no. very recently. Mm-hmm. And it sure makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, like his, one of his main points is go outside. Yeah. <laughs> like that really helps. <laughs> go outside. Right and now. it really does. Yes. Like our parents told us. Yeah. So one of the points Lewis makes is if you're worried, then try to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things that helps. Literally find an action preferably with other people, preferably Mm. outside Mm -hmm. somewhere, and go and do that thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. If we can get in action, especially with other people who are already in action, that's like the number one way that I've seen people move from a position of anxiety to, let's say, hope. This is what we do at Friends of the LA River, right? We mm-hmm. have events. Every every month there's some sort of hike or cleanup or bats and brews where we go look at bats at desk and then go have a beer. Like these sorts of things are happening all the time with all of the different environmental organizations in all over the place, all over the country. And I think that that getting out and connecting with other people who care about something is just so profound. And yeah, I think we we have we experience this with, with youth too. We're talking about youth development. If your child is having trouble with, you know, feeling woe is me or feeling like things aren't fair, things aren't, go volunteer somewhere. Yeah. Get out and do something for somebody else. And that sometimes will shift and reframe. So this makes perfect sense to me. I love this suggestion, of course. Yeah. And like all of those things that you mentioned, it wasn't go volunteer by yourself. It's like go do it with other people. This bats and bruise thing sounds way cool. You have to come. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, he, He also sort of emphasized this idea of connecting with your community, meaning connecting with people, but also connecting with your community as in your environment. We don't feel as anxious because we're reconnected. We know we're part of a community and we know we have um, a a goal and we can encourage each other. His next point, I want to ask if you've heard of this. Have you heard of positive psychology? No, but I feel like I'm going to like it. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be good. I hadn't either. It basically means whatever we focus on tends to expand. So Mm -hmm. if there is an optimistic and a pessimistic way to look at something, if you're focusing on the optimistic thing, you become a more optimistic person person. Yes. Your focus determines your reality. That makes sense. For my Qui-Gon fans out there. Yeah. 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 Um, He suggested that one of the ways to find that kind of positivity is in your imagination. Mm. Imagine a world that we want to live in. We don't have to stay stuck in just taking the literal world uh, as it is. We can begin to imagine and create worlds in our mind and share that with people. And that can become infectious and can become really exhilarating and motivating and inspiring. I was honestly shocked to hear that this was a real thing because right? I do this. I love this. <laughs> I do this. This is like how I lull myself to sleep each okay. night. I like sit and I, it Aww. doesn't mean I like sit in a fairy tale world, but I think of like, wow, it'll be so cool in 20 years right. or 10 years when right. I get to see this kind of thing happening. And it's effective because then I'm also then doing a better job at sort of manifesting that world and working toward that ideal and telling other people about this world that'll exist. And it it's infectious, Uh like he said. And so then you're not thinking about like bailing out a sinking ship. You're thinking about like Mm. sailing toward a calmer sea. I totally believe in that. I I really do. I believe that if we are 
thinking toward, working toward, hoping toward a better future, there that's a pathway to getting there as yeah. opposed to just like, well, it's all messed up. There's nothing we can do. Right. So, okay. So let's also just say that for a lot of folks, getting out in nature, engaging in that collective action we're talking about and imagining a better world, it, that's not really enough. And yeah. so... Or at least you're not able to really do that on your own. Right. Obviously, for all of us, it's going to be harder on some days than others. Uh, But there are some people where it's hard every day. (laughs) And, you know, he said it's important to recognize when you might need someone else like Mm. a professional to help you through that. Mm -hmm. If we find ourselves ruminating in a way where we can't focus on the things that we need to put our attention on, where our energy is sapped and we can't move Uh, where it's getting in the way of normal functioning, let's say, you know, with our families or our school or work, then it's becoming a problem. So if you're hearing what he is saying and Mm -hmm. that sounds like you, then it might be time to seek some professional help with managing that anxiety. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to suffer. And there's no shame in seeking help, whether it's about the climate crisis or your personal life. Right. You know, we can't just say, well, everything's okay, and you can just imagine that it'll be okay, and then it'll be fine. Like, a a mental health professional can help you sort of figure out how to cope with those feelings. Right. Well, just like any other kind of anxiety, any other kind of depression. Um, He also made this point that if you're feeling burnt out, um, recognize when that's happening, recognize when to take a break, focus on taking care of yourself. The climate emergency is not going anywhere. Right. So we we have to be ready to to go the distance in terms yeah. of, of sustaining ourselves and being ready for, you know, keeping yourself in fighting shape. Exactly. I'm excited for takeaways in this episode because Jennifer specifically asked me, well, are there going to be answers? Because I don't want to be one of these people who are all complaining and being like, yeah, I'm anxious. Like, she actually wants to know how to cope and what to do. Well, then let's do it, Jennifer. How do you deal with the anxiety of knowing that people are destroying the planet? Well, know that your feelings are valid and then find a community of people who are doing something about it and join them in doing that thing. It's also valuable to take time to imagine the world that you want to see because sharing those ideas with other people can be a really infectious act. And the more time that you spend being optimistic and trying to put the effort into doing that, the more of an optimist that you become. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if this climate anxiety is big enough that you're starting to struggle with your day-to-day life, it might be time to find somebody who can help you manage it. Kaylee, what's the good news this week? Okay, so actually before I get into explaining the good news, I have to explain some bad news first. Okay. (laughs) But I promise it's going to turn good. Okay. (laughs) Did you know 8% of the world's total carbon emissions comes from making cement? What? Isn't that terrible? It's like the foundation of your home. From making the cement, the production process? Yeah, because when you make cement, this isn't just because of like fossil fuels or whatever. It's because of this chemical reaction that needs to happen to to make it. You have to put limestone minerals in a kiln and then you have to burn it at like this really, really high temperature. And so the problem is limestone has carbon. Oh, that makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. So when it heats up, the carbon goes into the atmosphere. Yikes. I did not know how to make concrete and... Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> but that's so that was the bad news. Okay. Here comes the Got good it. news. Got it. There's this company in Massachusetts called Sublime Systems that has figured out to make cement so that it doesn't emit carbon. Ooh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the trick here is not to use a kiln at all. Okay. Instead, they use like 
a different chemical reaction that's powered by electrical currents and water that then heats up the material. And then Hmm. because the chemical reaction runs differently, Sublime Systems uses minerals other than limestone, which means Hmm. when it's heated up, it doesn't emit carbon. And then the company's cement is certified to be just as strong and durable as traditional cement. Well, that certainly has the potential to change construction in the future. Yeah. All we need now is to make it affordable and mainstream. Absolutely. That's it this week on the Anti-Dread Climate Podcast. If you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. And go ahead and ask us a question at kcrw.com slash climate. Next week, we'll answer one of the biggest climate questions you have to figure out every day at dinner time. Which is better for the environment, eating seafood or eating chicken? Yeah, it turns out we're not on the same page on this one, Kaylee. I mean, I know I know the answer. I know I'm right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I'm Candace Dickens-Russell, environmental educator and CEO at Friends of the LA River. I'm Kaylee Wells, climate reporter at KCRW. Our executive producer is Sonia Geis. Our production assistant is Celine Mendiola. Technical director is Katie Gilchrist. Music by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. The Anti-Dread Climate Podcast is a KCRW production. KCRW.